friends. Welcome back to the front porch. My name is Dennis Rogers, and I'm joined, as always, by Michael Daniels. How's it going, Mike? How is your Monday? Wonderful, Mr. Dennis. How is life? Uh, wait, are you on the road again? I can, it's like the, I no. feel like it's been like the, th- the third month I've asked you every time. No, yeah, yeah, Exciting for a different that every week. <laughs> no, I, um, I'll most likely be in the area at least another uh, maybe two weeks. I'm waiting on a delivery from work. They're sending me a new computer, and I think they're it's not going to get shipped out until like the fifteenth of September, which is annoying. Oh man! Or October, I mean. But uh, yeah, works works giving you a computer, huh? You know, work computer. If I were in an office, I would of course have a work computer. But of course, being remote, they have to send me one. Um, they don't just give you a fat load of cash and say buy your own. That would be easier, but uh, <laughs> no. Actually, in this case, they're sending me one that, that, that I think they bought for somebody who didn't need it, or I forget the the details. But hey, since we're on the sto- on the subject of of kind of work computer, or I guess we say boring work computer stuff, I also have a boring work computer story. Uh, well, it's more techy, so it works for this show a little bit. Uh, sure. I got I got a I also got a new work computer. And I've always had des- uh, desktops in my office for years, right? Or uh, like mm-hmm. an all-in-one or some kind of a thing, whatever might, they might have. Um, and we have at IU a, a thing called a four-year life cycle replacement plan. Every four years, mm-hmm. you get a new computer. Right. And that's really nice. Well, mine came up, and they decided since I work hybrid now that they're going to give me a laptop um, as my mm-hmm. primary computer, which it's a real nice laptop. You know how laptops are today. They're they're pretty nice. Um, yeah. And, um, so I got a pretty beefy one, but it's very, you know, I've, I'm fawning over a stupid laptop, but I haven't had a laptop, a decent laptop in a long time. And, and the last time I remember considering it, they just looked like these big, heavy, bulky things. Like even the Alienware stuff were just like huge looking and massive fans mm-hmm. on them. But mm-hmm. this one's really lightweight and granted it's a work computer, but it's very lightweight and I can just carry it around and the little carry case feels like I'm hardly carrying anything, which is nice. But the neat thing about it, it's my—it's like it's my work machine, and I can take it anywhere and work anywhere on it. Um, right. And they—the—the the moral of this story is that they didn't want—they don't want hybrid people working on their own computers because you're accessing networks, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah. So even though I keep my my own computer high security on everything because I'm pretty good at that, uh, still I get where most people don't. Yes, yeah. I, I get where they're coming from. Um, so. I, they want me to use this. Well, I'm used to working on at least two monitors and large monitor screens and my own setup at home. Um, so working on a laptop and it's got a small screen feels terrible, right? So mm-hmm. at work, I go in and I have a USB-C plug that plugs into a like a hub thing and it, a, dock, yeah. a docking station, sorry, they're called. Um, and it just, my mouse, keyboard, and screens work, right? Right. Uh, which is fantastic. So I said, well, I can have that at work. I can have that here. Um, and the long and short of it is that I, I actually, because I have a computer and not just monitor, like dumb terminal mon- monitors, I bought myself what's called a KVM switch. Uh, yep. So those people who have servers are very familiar with that. Um, and a, uh, a docking, st- I had to buy a docking station as well because it has to split the signal from the laptop into mm-hmm, two things. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it, it was one of those processes where I thought I had it at the beginning, and then I realized, oh, I don't have this part. And then I had to order it from Amazon, and two days later, 
I put it together. Oh, I'm missing this next part. And then two days later, <laughs> you know, get it from Amazon again. Um, mm. And it was, it, it was every step. I, like, I had got the switch and then I realized that it, I had like, I didn't have, I had an eight HDMI out and then like a D a display port out. So I needed a converter adapter from display port to HDMI. And I'm like, okay, there's that. And then I needed the docking station and then I needed the power thing from there. And I needed, so it was all this kind of stuff um, finally working. And I'm I'm really happy with it. It's, it's a neat little setup now that just push a button and it switches between two totally different systems and keyboard mouse. I'm recording my, my, uh, you know, recording gear goes to both. uh, Right. Which is fairly nice. And, it, it all in all, this this setup costs over two hundred dollars though, and I, it wasn't the super expensive one, but it wasn't cheap. When all did. your your side, when I um before I moved into the camper, um and had a full size desk, I did the same thing. Yeah. Um, if you don't know, KVM is an acronym for keyboard, video, and mouse. It basically lets you run multiple computers, usually two, um, and. If you don't know what a KVM switch is, you might not know what I mean by computer. Um, but if you imagine a computer that's not a laptop, uh, it's just a box. You have to connect those three pieces in to use. Mm-hmm. You technically don't need a mouse, but you need, you need a mouse. Um, and there there will be a switch or a key sequence that lets you switch between those two computers. When I had that set up, um, I would switch between the Mac, which is my work machine that I do almost everything on, and a Windows PC that I use for video games. Oh, smart. Yeah, that was smart. Yeah, I get that. Um, I do the same sort of thing now, except uh, I just plug and unplug the cords manually because I don't have space for the extra for the extra cord system. I might go back to that at some point. Um, you, you are that, that's a good point. You decided you're just going to gloss over that. The cord systems are pain in the butt. Like I've got so many, I thought I had a lot of cords before. Holy mackerel. There's a lot yeah, of cords. It's basically, you're basically adding, you know, a whole second set of cords in exchange for being able to switch computers without messing with cords. Without messing right? with cords. That's, little, that's, that's the trick. Of, yeah. A little bit of irony there. So, uh, this will be my, I guess, fourth dedicated work computer the first two were ones that i bought myself and then when i switched employers um and they offered to buy me a computer i switched from the macbook which i had had two of over almost 10 years to a mac mini which is again it's a computer not a laptop it's just a um, a little box that you have to plug everything into um in exchange it's about a thousand dollars cheaper than an equivalently powered MacBook, uh, and it has more ports because it's just a box with a bunch of ports on the back. It doesn't need to be super slim uh, or anything like that. It's still very small for a computer. Um, it's like if you took an Apple TV and like doubled every dimension about yeah. how big it is, which is still pretty small. Um, and because I'm on the road now in the camper i'm like it probably would be better to go back to having a laptop the reason i switched from a laptop macbook um is that i would use the laptop as a laptop maybe twice a year i take it somewhere if i needed to work and then i'd have it um sometimes like when i lived in bloomington i would do that more i'd go downtown to a coffee shop or something and work for an afternoon 
But most of the time, it sat on my desk, folded closed, with a keyboard monitor and and mouse plugged into it. And I'm like, I don't need a laptop to do this. Um, it's funny that I went for the more economical option when somebody else was buying me a computer. <laughs> right. uh, but it also meant, you know, I could get a computer with a decent hard drive. I didn't have to uh, use external um, USB drives for everything. Um, but now that I'm on the road, I'm like, this would be easier. So it makes some things easier. Like I could have a laptop up in the car with me on travel days. And if there's an emergency, I can just, you know, open it up and get online. I don't have to, um, you know, set the whole computer back up because I have to pack everything up and, uh, pack every, uh, tear everything down and set it back up when I move camp. You know, I can't, uh, just leave the monitor it'll fall and break or something yeah um and anyway that's all I, it's it's amazing. All a lot more details but i i also wanted to say the thing um you say about uh uh, uh, uh windows laptops is true too because i've seen like my brother-in-law works with um radio stuff he gets windows laptops and a couple of my brothers have well one i guess um got a gaming laptop and i'm like it just looks so cheap like you know it's not like i'm not overly obsessed with you know the aesthetics of things yeah a lot of it is just in the feel like i have to pick it up and like it's big and it's mostly plastic and yeah. that's why I my agree. windows computer my windows computer is a razor and i have very mixed feelings on razor products um i've had many many mice over the years break that i had mm -hmm. to try and return mm -hmm. or just replace sure. uh most recently bought one and it started acting up like within a couple days so i returned it and just ordered another one because they've gotten so cheap on amazon the older uh wired non-wireless ones i'm like i'll just i think it's just a crapshoot like wherever they're probably manufactured in china like everything else and you just never know when a product might be a, a component of the product might be cheap but they're their laptops are at the time, which I bought it in like 2017, I think, before it was before WoW Classic. So mm, yeah. it's been a number of years ago now. You needed but that, at the time, that hard uh, graphics upgrade, did you, for that one? Yeah, I mean, my <laughs> well, no, I didn't. I didn't do it for that. I think um, it was not long after I got. So here's. Here's a logic, and we're <laughs> too long on this topic. But um, after I switched jobs and my employer got me a new computer, I had money in my budget that I had intended to use to buy a new work computer. Right, And I was like, mm -hmm. well, I don't have to do that now because I got one from work. What if I get a Windows laptop instead? And then I'll have a laptop to maybe be able to work on. Turns out it's much too difficult to... Um, when you normally work on Mac to try and work like in a, in a dire emergency, I can log into a server and do something, but to try and keep um, settings and, and systems synced between, between Mac and windows for the work I do um, was just impractical. Oh, sure. I but yeah. um, I went with the Razer laptop because at the time, I don't know, there might be other players in this space. They were the only company making windows laptops that feel close to Mac laptops, um, just in like the construction and like a solid okay. aluminum um, kind of body. And I was like, you know, this this just feels really well made. 
Oh yeah. Um, that, that, there we go with the, the feeling and, of it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I agree with that. I mean, that's what I was mentioning earlier, how light, how light this laptop is that it's, and it does feel for lack of a better word, cheap, but I know it's not like, right. I can tell you that it's not. Um, I can tell you from like my intense work stuff, a lot of the stuff that I have crunching things, it's like super quick and has everything it needs and really great. So I'm, I mean, a long, long short of it is, you know, man, it's amazing technology these days. And, and you're right. Just because it's light just means that they're super lightweight hard drives and super lightweight processors and, you know, non-necessary things that they don't need in there anymore. Uh, yeah. But yeah, it's, it's pretty cool. And I'm, and I am very happy with it. I'm again, being hybrid, having that mobility of my primary, uh, workstation is, is super key. Uh, but I've also been able to like, had to run out and get my oil changed at work. They took longer than my lunch hour. So I was able to sit there in Ford and pop open my work and start working, you know, it's not on my phone, janky type way, but do actual work. Um, which is always great. You know, or if I'm, I'm running late or can't do something else. I can just sit down with it and use, you know, meet, get meetings or something like that right, right there. It's a, it's a nice little world we live in with our work technologies these days. I mean, granted <laughs> you and I work in the technology field, so right. That's a yeah. lot of more than so. I, I know that uh, my fiance, Shelly's work computer, she works for a, um, uh, IU health and it's not the greatest. I mean, it's like hard coded into, cause it's super, was it, um, all the HIPAA stuff that they've got for it. It's super oh, locked down, but it, it still down, is yeah. like the cheapest. It feels like, looks like it's the cheapest and runs like it's the cheapest thing when she can't mm-hmm. hardly connect and everything. I've not been able to look at it cause I don't want to touch that thing. Um, but it's, uh, you know, they, they, I'm lucky to have a really nice computer and her computer for work is crappy. Um, I'm assuming most people's are that don't work for the tech industry type stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Unless like, Maybe like graphic designers and stuff. No, oh, yeah, they might have some cool you know, stuff. Really nice, uh, you know, pen tablets and stuff like that. Did, did I tell you? I'm speaking of graphic design. Did I tell you? I'm, I can't remember if I told you. I'm going out to LA for Adobe Max conference in two weeks. You did. You did tell me about. I'm that. excited about that. Like it's it's uh, the thing. The things I get to go for mostly is um, I do a lot of um, I'm going to work with accessibility and Adobe Acrobat and mm-hmm. things like that. So. Um, I mean, that's not primary part of my job, but it is part of my job. Um, so, so, uh, getting to see that and I, and I am a designer as well. So I have a lot of creative, creative stuff with web space, but there's a whole lot of tech things with Adobe does that aren't necessarily say web design. It's, you know, artwork and graphic stuff and they have their fingers in a lot of pies. So many, so many. I use, you know, I use Photoshop Mm -hmm. and if I really have to, I use Acrobat. Right. And that's basically it. So I have their like photo plan, the like ten dollar a month thing that gets you Photoshop and and Bridge, like maybe one other oh. thing that I don't use. Yeah. Um. But yeah, like just in their apps, you're like, oh wow, they're covering a lot. And you know, I mean, that's been true for years, right? They bought Macromedia years yeah. ago, which had Flash and Dreamweaver yeah. and a couple of other things. Um, that they rolled into their suite of products. But then they also have like a whole range of things behind the scenes. Um, 
I don't know if this is still the case. For a little while, they owned Magento, which is the e-commerce uh-huh. platform that I work in. Um, they might be branched off. Uh, um, um, no, I don't think they are. I think I think it might still. still, still be I, I would I would believe it. I'm I'm always still, like I said. This is the creative conference, so it's more of the creative stuff. But then you go sure. to their main site and you see all of the other things. Um, so I had mentioned like I I, I do use uh, Dreamweaver often. It, you you had mentioned that and. Um, that's not here at this conference, so it's not something that, that I necessarily get, even though I use it in my day to day. But the um, there are so many other things, like something I'm going to be going to. I don't want to get into Adobe here. We're not, we are not in any way getting any money from Adobe, guys. By the way, <laughs> uh, but the um, uh, like Adobe Indes- the InDesign's something that's big, obviously, an Illustrator mm-hmm. or not yep. Illustrator, but um, um, Acrobat and they um this thing called uh, adobe xd which is another thing big for me with website design and stuff before right uh, yeah. before it's just it's just some amazing wonderful things and then if you ever get a look online at adobe sneaks which is like their it's always that stuff when you look at um i always think of like remember blizzard did things like titan project they did all these huge projects that were massive and big and then they go and they just shelve them adobe has a whole right. bunch of those and then there's sneak stuff they will show a lot of that stuff that they're working on. You're like, holy cow, the technology is amazing. And then, you know, because of legal reasons, whatever, they just never put them out. Um, right. So I get to, I'm, anyway, I'm excited for that conference. It's, uh, it is a creative conference. So even though there's, there are aspects from work, a lot of it is recharging my creative batteries and it really, really does that well. Um, so I'm, I'm super excited about that. And it's the only time I've ever gone to a conference anytime and came back fully like psyched to work and not wanting to come back on the weekend so that I can, or, you know, like on a Saturday so I can work right away is what I want to do, mm. which is a nice. crazy thing, but I'm excited for that. Um, that's coming up to Kevin Hart's one of the keynote speakers, which is funny. Um, right. And, uh, 21 pilots, I think it's a, a band's playing concert. I don't mm-hmm. know. Yeah, that's a band. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's a band. Yeah. They, they, they play music. Um, yeah. I'm I'm not good with band names, but anyway, it, they have a big party. So anyway, that's in two weeks, and I'll I'll bring that one back. Anyway, nice. Uh, I bet you will. Um, I have a brief yeah side topic on that, and hopefully, I don't want to get too. This is a topic that could maybe easily get political, but I bet that at that conference you you'll probably hear some stuff about AI, artificial intelligence. Yes, not, we do. Not it, Adobe Illustrator. Yes, which right. Is also, the acronym AI. Yeah. Um. Last, uh, not this past weekend because I was at a wedding but the weekend before I installed on my Windows computer because you need a good graphics card to do this um, I installed a program called Stable Diffusion okay uh, which is an AI image uh, creating uh, whatever app a program uh, runs in Python and so the process to set it up was not difficult but I already happened to have things like git on my on my windows computer from when i tried to use it for work um so for a normal average user it might be a couple more steps um but i was able to set the set this thing up and i can give it prompts and it generates images of all different kind that look like art or look like oh yeah right uh, yeah yeah you know whatever and it's it's still not perfect um but some of the things that it can do are really, really impressive. Um, it's it's very bad with like hands and faces. If you try to make 
try to make people. Um, but I did manage to, to get it to make real looking faces and every once in a while hands that were okay, as long as you didn't look too closely. (laughs) Um, but in the world of Photoshop, like I know I've watched part of the reason that I still use Photoshop, um, is that over time I've seen it improve with things like the healing brush where you're like, boy, yeah, I can just paint the brush over this area and it does a pretty good job at like erasing this thing and leaving everything else if there's like dust and scratches and things that you would have to spend hours with like a stamp tool or something trying to feather out and then still if you zoomed out it didn't look uh um quite right a lot of that stuff that you really need um you know an ai technology to do well because there are too many there are too many variables um and it's and so it's, it's crazy uh, how good it is. I mean, yeah, f- Photoshop. I know people who are just even layman at stuff and understand kind of what Photoshop is, but the the pure power through that AI type stuff that it has is truly insane. And I had to use, I use it. I use it often. I really do. But I I didn't mm-hmm. use it as much as I realized I I had to for when I took a course last year in. Um, um, after Adobe After Effects, which is movie okay. type stuff, yeah, yeah, and mm-hmm. use Photoshop kind of mixed with After Effects stuff, and the the AI, especially with video, to be able to do things on the fly with every frame is just just it's insane, the power that you know just like everyone can have at their at their fingertips, not like NASA or anything, just everybody has, has it. right, um, yeah. Yeah, again, we go back to where we started here. Uh, the technology that we live in today is pretty darn amazing. Like hardware and software and super cool stuff. And you got to really be appreciative of that thing. I, I sat down with the very first time I had a an iPad. I mean, I told the story. I got an iPad and I went upstairs and I laid in my bed and I watched Star Trek. Mm-hmm. And, and, I, and I couldn't help. And this was like 2012 or something like that. I couldn't right. help but just be sit there for like, five minutes and be amazed that I'm holding a pad that's no think thicker than a pencil and watching, you know, a TV, sh- whatever I want on demand right away in front of me. You know, it was just totally, totally blown away that we have this kind of stuff. And I feel sound old. I know, but talking about that because you know, people <laughs> are now in high school, don't know a life without that kind of stuff. But, um, it, it, it's, I think it's one of the things of being part of Gen X that I think is amazing that we have that breadth of pre-internet to, to internet uh, that not, not anybody will ever have again. And that's pretty cool. Yeah. yeah. Speaking of things I did on the internet, I'm going to take us around to more uh, pop culture, fun, gamey type stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, this week, well, last two months, I've been, everybody who's been watching, listening to the show knows that I've moved into a new house and I'm slowly unpacking. Now, yes, shouldn't we all be unpacked? Of course. But I have we have a lot of boxes that I'm just kind of going through and you're packing up multiple houses, et cetera, et cetera. And I've got to end it to my to my game room. It's like my personal space here, and I just have too much stuff. So I've opened up I usually open up I've got all the essentials out, and then I've taken up a box and I'm going through it and saying, Can can you know, was it can it spark joy? What's the thing that Marie Kondo says, right? Does yeah, it spark does joy? It, so something does that it I, spark joy? I, I have to have. And, and if it does spark joy, is it really like a lot of joy, right? Like I got a little metal Cyclops figure. Like, okay, that's cool. But I have 30 figures. I don't right. need them all, right? Like they 
can still spark the same amount of joy with just one. So anyway, I go into these boxes, I'm throwing stuff away, and I come across one big box, and it has just a ton of hero clicks. Um, and oh right, I saw a picture of these. Right, like a ton. And let's let's be very honest. I will be very honest out here, Dennis. I have only played hero clicks like twice, and I have <laughs> all of these. And the reason I have all of these is because I bought them in a lot. Like somebody sold sure. them to. The, uh, my local comic book store and he had them in a box and was selling them for cheap. Um, someone just offloaded their, their thing or just gave it to him or something like that. So I bought them for 20 bucks or so. Um, thinking that, Hey, I've got all this. I can figure it out and play it, et cetera, et cetera. It's better than buying in blind boxes, $15 at a time. Um, they're cool. They're all like comic booky stuff, uh, but, I, but they've just taken up space. So finally, I have decided, well, I decided a long time ago that I was going to sell them and get rid of them. But I have this thing, and I don't know if you understand this feeling of like, I can just give it away or I can just sell it for 20 bucks, but I feel like I'm probably missing something. Like, what if there's that one rare Robin hero clicks that's in my collection that goes for like $700, right? Right. It's yeah. those people that sell a black Lotus of from magic and don't realize what they have. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So this week I did took the power of the internet and I cataloged every single piece that I had and then went to online and found every price because you can get all the price guides out there and priced everything out. Sure. Sure. Yeah. That was a lot. And then I took pictures of everything. I'm, I'm actually, for those listening, I'm going to sell it in one big lot. That was my goal. Mm. Um, and it's it's like three hundred and fifty dollars worth of hero clicks at the like bargain base. Like if there were three prices, I put that and then subtracted like almost half. Um, sure. So for the for the estimated prices, and then I'm going to sell it for half that. Uh, so that's that's pretty cool, you know. Um, and they're really super nice. neat. And I had you saw pictures. You said like armies of them set out. Um, yeah, I showed it to uh, my brother Andrew because. He and David used to play those a lot. I think they've mostly gotten out of it um, because I think are those the ones that are out of print? Yes, those were out of print. Yeah, those ones. Print, print is not the right word because they're figures, out of circulation. But or whatever, yeah, same deal. Like they're not making and selling any new ones. Yeah. Um. And yeah, he was like. He was like, he's got a lot of duplicates because I don't know what anything looks like. I showed him, and and I don't know if duplicates are terrible or not. You know, I don't know anything about that. Before I even zoomed in, he was like, "Oh, here, click stuff." And then I, I zoomed in on it a little bit, and I'm like, "I see five identical Supermans here, or whatever you had." Yeah. Um, And he was like, "Yeah, yeah." And 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 I know I don't know all of those. I I know that, for example. In the game, just because I had to do this for pricing and stuff, they have mm-hmm. a Superman that's like a veteran Superman. One's a rookie Superman. Right, one, and right, yeah. So that means like they're a lower point cost, depowered character, and you can put them yeah. with different armies. But even then, I had duplicates of like the veteran one. Like I've got three of them, right? Right, or mm-hmm. three of or two of this one, or on one of them, a super common one. I have five, but I don't know. I remember when I first played it for the two times. Forgive me, Hero Clicks people. But I could put like five thugs on my on my team, right? Mm-hmm. I don't know if you can put like three Superman. Or I, I don't know if enough about the game, but whoever buys it will will probably know. Um, yeah, I don't. I shouldn't say I've never played that game. I think I played it once with my brothers, 
and the way I understand it is that it's point by, yeah, uh, similar to how point by works in in D and D. You have um, there's I'm sure there's a better example for this probably in Warhammer or something. So I apologize, miniatures game playing fans, <laughs> uh, like uh, who is it? Uh, Bill who does right, uh, yeah. Dust, dust mm-hmm. something for he does uh, one or a something. lot of other stuff too now but yeah yeah warhammer and... um i think most of those work on a same on a similar principle where you you start with a thousand points and then all the units have a price a point yeah, value so, right um and so you can build your team however you want but you know if you get one superman that's the same as you know three robins and so you have to right. decide uh whether you want your um just how you want to set up your army yeah and i and i know it's for duplicates for it's for for the like say when i would play card game trading card games uh extensively the, mm-hmm. it was let's say you can only have four in your deck so if i had a super right. tree awesome treant in my deck i can why would i ever have more than four well you would often make multiple decks or multiple armies. Right. So you, yeah. you don't want to have to, like, if I'm going to play this deck, I don't want to have to pull out all my Superman cards. Keep them this all one. in one box. That's yeah. probably more common in card games. I know that that's true in uh, the Lord of the Rings card game. Uh, yeah. People buy multiple copies of um, the base game yeah. because it lets them play with four players instead of two. Gives right. you enough of the duplicate. In that game, you can only have three. Yeah. Uh, Right. identical cards and you can only have it's like 40 or 50 total cards yeah it might not even be that it might be 30 right um i like that both and, those things about that game yeah and um so that's a similar kind of i i meant again i imagine that's more common in card games because like you build a deck you put the deck in a box right and then yeah. if you want to build another deck you've got but miniatures i mean maybe you have like carry cases, whatever, and you're like, this is my, this army, and I'm going to keep it separate from the others. Probably, again, people who play a lot of those kind of games. Yeah, I don't, I don't know how often that, yeah, do they, course, do you think, do they take yeah. like, uh, if you go to your game store, do they, people take like uh, dressers full of all their miniatures, or do they only take one I'm, or two armies? Or how, how, I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I see people, my, my brothers had those, um, those toolboxes. Mm-hmm. Toolboxes doesn't seem like the right like a word. Tackle it's like, box, almost of stuff. It's it's bigger than a tackle box. Like the compartments in a tackle box are pretty small. I know because I bought a couple of these to put my um, souvenir shot glasses in. Yeah. Yes, I collect shot glasses. I wasn't going to do that when I started living in a camper, <laughs> but I realized I've been doing it for like almost ten years. Sure. And I'm like, I might as well just keep doing this. Obviously, I can't <laughs> have a shelf. It's my thing. Full right, of. Yeah. I can't have a shelf full of shot glasses in a camper. They would all fall off the first time I moved camp. Oh, yeah, yeah. And so I have a set of these uh, little parts boxes. They make them for crafting stuff, too. But there are some you can get where the compartments are big enough that you can fit a Heroclix or a D&D miniature um, in. But I think for my brothers, those were just like how they stored them. Right, they just kept them in these boxes. Oh, but see, I've okay. definitely seen people at Gen Con that have like a stack of those that are in a couple boxes, and so they're wheeling around like a um a wheeled cart, like a like a like a 
um, suitcase at an airport. Oh yeah, yeah, um, I've seen those at Gen Con. That's just sure, that's just full of all of those, and it's not necessarily that the, that they're big. They just have a lot of them, and they want to store them in a way where they won't um, get damaged. Yeah, and and you're right. My experience of Gen Con is that they do tend to carry them all around, so they're switching them out and here and there. Um, right, but I, yeah, are we buying and selling? And but anyway, but I don't know if yeah. I don't know if in that process they have pre-made. I keep wanting to say decks, pre-made armies, um, for pickup games, or if they're going to a going to an event where people are going to play, they have a different army already prepared, already set up. Maybe they do. Yeah, yeah, and, and you know who knows? Maybe a like a reseller will pick these kind of things up. They sell individual figures for more than maybe hope. Hopefully it's, I mean, if you're, if you're doing this, selling it all in a lot and, um, you know, fairly well discounted, hopefully you find somebody who's just getting into the hobby. That's what I, that's what I most would love. Who's super excited to like, oh man, I'm going to get so much stuff for hundred bucks or whatever. Exactly. Um, Yeah. That's what I'm hoping. Like, like I said, it's $350 worth of stuff and I'm just going to start out at a hundred bucks. And if if I get a hundred, I would be happy. I'd probably go a little bit less, but. Because that's um, what you want when you really get into a new game or hobby. Like, yes, you can rush out and buy all the things if you, you know, have a lot of disposable income. Um, but the best thing is to find, like, somebody who was into it or ideally somebody who got into it and did all that buying and then barely played it. So everything's yeah. in really nice shape. Right. And then is just like, this is taking up too much space in my garage. I got to sell. It reminds me of... um. I've never done this, but I've heard that this is a thing. If you go on Craigslist or Facebook Marketplace or whatever, and you search for certain phrases, this is going to sound sexist, so I apologize in advance. But you search for phrases where, like, somebody's uh, wife or girlfriend is selling their stuff. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And you'll sometimes find it pretty cheap because they don't know what it's worth. Oh, right. Yeah, That's, yeah. I don't. I don't know that I really want to advocate for that, but it's an amusing. I'm getting rid of my of, ex's uh, football cards or some kind of thing like that. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Like yeah. this bastard cheated on me, and I'm going to sell all his <laughs> magic cards. You know. You know. The, like, the thing about that is that uh, I've said I don't know this if before. I would want to involve myself in a situation like. Oh no, that, right? no, because once I got like, them, I'm driving away. They're never going to see me again. But yeah. Right. Exactly. Uh, right. No. Um. I've said this before. Want, is that yeah. that. You know, game, just because games are old doesn't mean they're bad. That's that's super a super important thing sure. for people to remember. Sure. You know, you, you can go play. You know, for example, HeroClix. HeroClix is a great game. It really is. I I didn't happen to play it because I was the only one I knew around me that had this stuff. That's right. ultimately happens to me a lot. Um, but trading card th- games have that same problem. Exactly right. That doesn't mm-hmm. mean they're bad. It's just you know you you don't you know they're just older. There's something else new came out or. Um, you know, say maybe someone has played Magic the Gathering for 20 years now and they, they want to play something, you know, people are tired of it and they want to play something new. Granted, Magic's still going strong, but, um, and then a new, the new hotness will come out. That doesn't mean the previous one was bad. So that being said, if you find a group of people who are willing to go on older stuff, older being like five, you know, years or older, you could buy a ton of stuff super cheap that would have cost you a fortune before. Mm. Um, that's why I tell people, hey, you should go play, you know, 3.5 D&D or fourth edition D&D, you know, whatever, whatever floats your book. Because you don't have to go out and buy the brand new spanking books 
There's a right. whole bunch that you can buy for, you know, $2 a piece and get everything. And your right. group will have a wonderful time playing it. Um, so yeah, like this is the same thing. If I get rid of these hero clicks, hopefully somebody buys them and they've got like two brothers or two, a sister and a brother, you know, that want to play it together, two sisters, and they're going to play hero clicks and have a good time, you know? Yeah. Uh, so that, that's, I, I spent a, an, an inordinate amount of time this weekend um, put, putting that <laughs> stuff together. Um, okay. So moving on, we, we should talk about our, our show before we get too far into the show. What do you say? Okay. Our show before we get our, into the our show. show before the show about the show on the show. All right. This week we talked about Chinatown. Um, Chinatown. Oh, I, didn't know that I don't know where that music it came in my head. Yeah, that's a random uh, pull. It's uh, <laughs> Roman Polanski uh, directed, uh, starring Jack Nicholson and Faye Dunaway. Young, young, yeah, young in both cases. I I don't remember seeing a movie with Jack Nicholson this young, and that I remember. Yeah, I don't think so. Probably like, like The Shining is the uh, the earliest movie I remember seeing him in. Yeah. He he looked really young in this one. Uh, so this was this was. Had, had, tell me tell me the story on on how we got this one on on our list this week. Okay, uh, this is uh, 1974. I finally got the the tab up. Um, so this movie, I heard about this movie a lot when I was listening to um, a free audio book on on Amazon on Audible uh, about writing about screenwriting. I was curious about it driving one day and listened to it. Um, no, it wasn't that. Uh, although I did listen to that too. This was a book on screenwriting that I saw recommended um, in a forum for DMs, right? Okay. People were like, uh, you know, a big part of a DM's job is writing, crafting a story. Like, yes, you have players involved and that's it's different in that way. But a lot of the principles carry over in terms of you know, structuring the arc of a narrative and keeping an audience involved, engaged and, and all that stuff. And this book that I listened to used a lot of examples from Chinatown. And, and I think it came up somewhere else in some podcast I was listening to. And I was like, Oh yeah, I remember that book saying a lot about Chinatown. I should put that on our list and, and we should watch it. Um, I don't know if we want to mark spoilers because there's a lot. Um, there, there are there are elements of this story that I knew already because they were spoiled in that book where he well, would it break is, down. It is a crime drama. Yeah, I mean, yeah. he would break down. The author would break down a scene from this movie and go back and forth between the lines and try to explain in some cases the underlying motivations, like when he was talking about. Um, you know, a character in every line and every action, both in real life and in a story, has a motivation, has a goal. And then they'll say something trying to reach their goal, expecting a certain outcome, but then something else will happen. And that's the whole, that's like the essence of a story, is yeah. that gap between expectation and reality. And so some of these big twists I already knew. Um, the one I didn't know was the very end. Um, so 
I'm going to hit the bell, I guess, so we can talk about specific um, elements sure. of the story. So we're going to talk about the plot and twists of 1974's Chinatown. So if you haven't seen it and don't want to get spoiled on it, uh, jump ahead for final thoughts. Yeah, it's a this is a, a PI movie. It's a it's a crime. Mm-hmm. Who, who, not a not a whodunit. It's I mean, the, just the premise tells you what the kind of movie it is. That you know the uh, the guy's uh, Jack Nicholson is a private investigator, and this is a private investigator movie. I mean, that's this is what I think of as a classic L.A. Hollywood crime whodunit uh, would scandal you, type. Would you call thing. it uh, noir? Sure. Yeah, that's yeah. that's fair. Um, it's dark. I mean, that's a lot of. I mean, it, probably, it could be black and white. It wasn't black and white. Was it? Now in my head, it's going to forever be black and white. But uh, right, it's in color. But uh, noir is just French for black, and it mm-hmm. means um, it's a certain type of story uh, that is oddly in like. I mean, there have been you know throwback or Renaissance uh, noir products productions it's it's books and films like it started in as books right maltese falcon yeah. was a book uh before it got adapted into a movie with uh uh bogart humphrey bogart mm-hmm. um but there were often these kind of not necessarily morality stories but morality stories in the same way that early horror movies were morality stories right where okay all the characters who die in a horror movie, a classic horror movie, are the ones who um, drink or do drugs or have premarital sex, right? And so it's yeah. not it's not overt like an after school special, but you watch the story and you're like, oh, the ones who survive are pure and follow the <laughs> rules. Sure. It's not spelled out that way, but that's the pattern that it follows. Sure, um, a a film noir story, and. I hope that I'm using the right term. I think that I am. Um, is usually centered on a male protagonist who gets involved in some situation um, because of a woman, a femme fatale, right? And so yeah. it's this kind of like morality play, like but for young men, which is highly problematic. Um, right. Well, there's I, there's a lot I in the show that's highly problematic, but right. Yes. So and there's a there's that's a whole conversation, but. I think this story, if if it is noir or film noir, um, it is probably subverting some of those um, uh, tropes and and uh, patterns of frameworks. Um, and this is the mid seventies, right? So we're kind right. of moving out of that era. I think the peak of film noir was probably in the fifties and sixties, um, maybe even earlier. And so there are there are things going on here, right? There's a there's a, a story, a big reveal about sexual assault. It's well in the past; you don't see any of it happening. That comes um, late. That comes late. That but reveal, it's yeah. it's very late, and it's a big reveal. That was one of the few things that I already knew about this story. Sure. Um, but you get into all this stuff with the the water supply and the politics and all of this, and it it's. In terms of being noir, it is this story of like, um, 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 Jack Nicholson is this sort of relatable, but also sort of, you know, 
anti-hero kind of character as a lot of um, uh, noir I mean, he's, protagonists he's self, are. He's self-driven for sure. Like they they make a point right. of saying that he anything he can get on the papers is is better, and he he makes no bones that he he makes you know money off of people's misfortune. Right, right, right. So it's so it's very like anti-hero at best. Right, they're not right. heroes. They're not. Um, you know, knights in shining armor or anything like that. They're usually self-serving, kind of, um, you know, out for number one. That's the same thing as self-serving. Sure. Um, but then usually get entangled in some, you know, some big, big conflict, right? There's some big, there's not necessarily conspiracy, but there's like some big thing going on and there's a lot of betrayal and double crossing and all of that. Um, and all of that is here um in this story and i think so uh i i started doing this last week and i'll 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 start with it again i know i've, I've been talking for a while but um if i were going to say if i were going to say whatever <laughs> um uh my two like one good thing one bad thing yeah thing um the bad thing I will say is the very end. And anybody who knows this story probably knows. I think it's iconic. Um, it is, I've not seen experienced a lot of, um, um, noir content, but I listened to the audiobook of, of Maltese Falcon a couple months ago. Okay. And I saw the movie for that years ago, but I don't remember the details. Um, I think, I think it's pretty common for a noir story to have a kind of like, not even bittersweet, but like a, well, he learned his lesson this time, you know, don't get involved or whatever. Um, they're usually this kind of like, like hollow, uh, uh, kind of unsatisfying ending. Yeah. Um, so I think that's typical, but it still was frustrating to watch. Um, and then the good thing, um, is and and I was looking out for this because again I came to this film through discussions about its dialogue, its right. scenes, and there's so much good writing, good dialogue between all of the characters, especially between Jack Nicholson and Faye Dunaway, but also his conversations with John Huston, uh, who plays her father. Um, all of these like people are saying they're saying things they don't say. There are little, there are little jabs and burns here and there. There's a lot of really good, um, like emotional, what we now call face acting, um, especially for the time in the mid seventies, uh, when things were a lot more, um, over the top still yeah, sure. in, in, in filmmaking. Um, I think a lot of that was, was really excellent. And probably if you want to talk about this movie in terms of like, it's, significance in the history of film or filmmaking or or as case study um um for for screenwriters or filmmakers something like that i think that's probably most of what people are talking about um is this writing and this dialogue and these these conversation scenes sure. between these actors sure. uh i i say good and bad uh they, they go together uh and they're similar to your things if not the same mm -hmm. um 
the good was that the story was great. Acting was great. I was involved with it. I, I love a good crime drama, by the way, like a, yeah. a whodunit or a, and, and I really love twists and, and this didn't mm-hmm. really have a twist. I could kind of figure out what was happening and what was going on mid mm-hmm. to early. I mean, there was the, the, sure. the, 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 the rape thing at the end, that twist we were in spoilers. Mm-hmm. I can say. But, but that was almost a little, I don't know how to say it wasn't superfluous to the story, but it, it was a late thing. Um, right. And the affair wasn't actually the main, main like mystery. The mystery was like, why, why is this, you know, why is this guy killed type thing? Why is he right. set up? It, it wasn't this, it didn't like they, they threw in the, the granddaughter, daughter incest thing. But that didn't need to be like that, that. That was the point was is that he wanted to sell this land and he was doing a whole uh, thing with the, the landowners and the old people and stuff like it was a whole bunch of that mystery. And I love that. That's so that's my, my 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 big plus is that like that was great following the private investigator life of, of which, by the way, I'm sure a private investigator life is nowhere near as even exciting mm. anyway. You know, this is super <laughs> drama up, but it's what you might think of as a cool P.I. thing. Right. Of course. Um, yeah. And, and I and I'm betting that that cool PI vibe came from shows like this, like movies like this. You know, you, sure. you, you saw this stuff back in the seventies, like, oh man, I want to be an investigator and see these cool things, you know, and find out these things in LA and all the sordid details. Um, so that was cool. I really enjoyed it, but that follows with the worst thing is that it just fell completely on its face at the end. And and I know all of the reasons and all of the other things that it belongs in film schools and stuff is one of the many reasons why I hate film schools and those classes that like, it's like, I feel yes, you can get face acting and you can get good dialogue and you can get good screenplays and have a satisfying ending. Right. And have a, and have the complete package. It feels that sometimes, uh, I'm going to say critic with my pinky in the air. Uh, okay. you know, want, want to, to like the thing that's not liked and then force it, right? Like, oh, this one's not popular and people don't like it. Well, I'm going to tell you all the reasons why you should like it. And it's like, well, that's fine, but I can also take a really good film that everyone likes or is well-loved and also tell you why that's well, well done. Yeah. You know, I, I can take a, a show like Goodwill Hunting or something and, and, and tell you what's good about that show and not have, you know, it just have a terrible ending. Um, so anyway, that's, I know I'm harsh on it, but that's, 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 that's obviously this is, this ending is the, the anti me. Um, sure. You know, I was, I was waiting for a great, cool, how he's going to, how he's going to get the guy, how he's going to mm-hmm. frame him, not frame him, but like set him up to, to uncover it or, you know, and take him in and take the, the man down. And said yep. at the end, Jack Nicholson turns into this like completely different character in the last 10 minutes. <laughs> that, that he starts, you know, desperately crying for the cops to to believe him, and and then says things like he's rich, and like this, what just happened? This character just went from cool, calculating, in control guy to it's not the same guy we've seen the entire movie, just, and then it, then it's over. I'm like, yeah, I what? wonder what? if you know, I wonder if there's something because I had that I had that feeling too, and I wonder if there's something in the backstory because I went through most of the movie going. Okay, this movie's called Chinatown. <laughs> I was my next thing. What what does it have to do with Chinatown, right? And Chinatown is obviously a big deal to his backstory, right? Like many many PI characters, he is an ex-cop. 
um, and you don't know why. His and, beat was Chinatown with his partner, and and his beat was Chinatown with his partner, and something, you know, something happened with that something. that um, that made him, you know, switch from being a cop to being a PI. Well, that's and one of the worst ta- things they don't say. Do they? Did you find anything in your research that like he he why? talks about it at one point um, when somebody I think when he's talking to Faye Dunway after they hook up. Um, that's another way you can tell that this is a noir made in the seventies and not <laughs> totally in the 50s. just random. Make, okay, now they're gonna they have to have sex. Uh, yeah, and and some casual nudity in there. But um, he talks about it how, and what I remember him saying is that. He could never, um, how does he say it? Like, it got to be too much. He couldn't ever tell what was going on. Because there was so much going on that, you know, everybody was lying and double-crossing everybody. Like, he doesn't get into the details, but that's what he says. It's like, um... Which, to me, know. feels like they needed to get into the de- like, Like, if you're going to name the show Chinatown, yeah. give us some details about why it's called Chinatown. Yeah, um, I'm I'm kind of with you on that. And I don't know if that's something that's like, um, you know, doesn't translate, you know, uh, uh, historically. Yeah, um, maybe. Yeah. Or like 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 we like back then they all knew what Chinatown meant or what it had. a Right. Something right. That, that I don't. I mean, it, it clearly yeah. does to the characters. So I don't know if it would have to the people at the time right. um, that, you know. Like he can get away with it because it's because they're in Chinatown. Yeah, the, or... the ending, that whole ending right there. They're like, just you know, let him go. It's it's in Chinatown. Like I I it's, don't. It's it's Chinatown. Yeah, that's, I don't get I, that. I had that same, I had that same kind of reaction. It reminded me a little bit of when we watched um, uh, French Connection. Oh yeah, where like you go through this whole thing and then the ending is unsatisfying. Um, yeah. And, which 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 could this yeah. if the inning was different like almost any way different it could have been like a really great movie that i i would have watched this one and been like wow i how i've not seen this before or or um I, this is what a great recommendation you know that, that i i should have watched before and just missed because because there's a lot of reasons why i might not have seen this show um right this yeah, th- there's there's several reasons but not the least of which is that it's a long it's a long form it's not a long movie it's just you know, there's, you have to pay attention. There's all sorts of little things and foreshadowing and which is the going back to the positive. I said, right. Just really great. They do all sorts of little things from the seawater, the saltwater, like the gardener says like, mm-hmm. you know, it's not good for the grass, the, the glass, the grass, the glass, he says the glass. But, yeah. But yeah. And that I was like, I was like, what does he mean? Glass. And then it, like the movie keeps going. So you forget it's, it reminded yeah. me of, um, the things people say, uh, the, the, rules of laws of whatever it's rules or laws of fair play in yeah. in mystery stories mystery storytelling yeah. oh yeah right yeah um where they say you're supposed to and you know even the guy who made the list of rules is like nobody follows all these rules right um but one of them is um you should give the audience enough clues where if they really, really wanted to, and they really, really try, they can figure it out. Yeah. Um, right. And, you know, it there makes, are a lot of makes newer... you believe that you could be a private investigator. Cause exactly. If you just it's part that... of the, it's part of the legacy of, 
uh, Arthur Conan Doyle's, um, Sir Arthur Conan Doyle's uh, Sherlock Holmes stories, yeah. right? Like the yes. clues are there. Yes. You can you could also put them together. Um, and there are a lot of modern uh, mystery stories and adaptations where those clues aren't there because they don't want you know they want the audience to get that uh, you know like the shock of getting the big twist, the big reveal. But it's a delicate walk. Like if it's too really, really is if the foreshadowing is too obvious. Um, you are bored right as an audience and if it's too if it's too subtle or non-existent they feel cheated right Mm -hmm. they're like oh you did this it's the it's the end of a harry potter movie and it turns out we had this magic cloak that would be perfect (laughs) 100 yes exact situation and and are we ever going to see that cloak oh no don't worry about it yeah um and so yeah the the grass thing was one of those where i was like why does he need a glass? That's weird. And then later you get the thing that, Oh, it's a saltwater pool. And you think exactly what he did that, mm-hmm. um, uh, Faye Dunaway's character drown her husband. Right. Drowned. And then it's, Oh, he doesn't wear bifocals. And I'm like, who have we met that wears bifocals? And, but there's enough going on on screen that I don't really have time. I didn't really have time to sit and think about it. But yeah. gradually, which, which is well as, done, right? Yeah. As they're getting back to like bringing the John Houston character back, I'm like, oh, I remember when he met him at his property. He picks up the glasses to look through them to look at something, some piece of paper, and then he sets them back down, like he doesn't put them on. And it's and it's a like a singular enough motion, right? Like he picks up his glasses, he holds mm-hmm. them by his eyes and he sets them back down he doesn't put them on and i'm like that's it was different enough that i noticed it and then when it gets back to you know uh uh, jack nicholson confronting him i'm like oh yeah of course he had the glasses he's the only person he's the only other person this could be in this story and so it's okay now he then like the pieces start to come into play and then again the stuff about the the daughter and the granddaughter um, I think is only significant in the sense that um, it, it emphasizes John Houston as the villain and explains, it explains a lot of his and especially Faye Dunaway's actions throughout the movie. Right. Because I already knew that when I started watching, I was, I was paying close attention to all of her, dialogue and her you know conversations with him where she on uh, uh giddies is his character um you mean gets. where yeah gets right. he calls where, him gets or like that forever right right that's a that's another subtle like or not so subtle uh indicator of him being a villain um mm-hmm. you know she has these conversations with jack nicholson where you don't understand if you don't already know you don't understand why she's being so cagey and withholding. And right. I'm like, well, she's got this secret that she can barely admit to herself. And so she's very protective. She's very, um, you know, just pay him off, get rid of him kind of thing. And I'm like, okay, this, this, this all makes sense. And yeah, again, like, I don't know. I, I am not as enamored with, the like happy or satisfying ending as you are but i i still 
was frustrated by the ending because there's so much emotion like built up into it. Like in case you yeah. weren't sure what this guy's doing, this wicked capitalist, you know, using city funds to get water for his own financial gain. Just in case you're not convinced about that, hey, he also raped and impregnated his daughter. He right. was trying to take her daughter, his granddaughter, from her at the end. And I think, you know, he was shot, so I like to think he doesn't survive. But the movie doesn't tell you. It just no. fades out. In this, I mean, this impressive, very long camera shot. But I'm like, uh, that's that's frustrating. Yeah, it, and, the, the, the thing, yeah, too, was that he... Uh, well, I, I I think that at the end they they show him walking away with her, and and that that was yeah. the, the thing. It's like oh, it almost doubled down on how terrible it was. Like he the bad guy, the bad well just flat out the bad guy gets away with everything. Like yeah. he he doesn't he doesn't get caught. He gets away with it because he has money, and the mom dies. So he has his incest daughter grandchild that he gets to raise and gets everything he wants, and then the cop. The PI guy gets left holding the bag, and that's it. Like everything that could go wrong went wrong in the last <laughs> five minutes of the movie. Yeah, and for for no reason except that they wanted to write it that way. Um, which which we're belaboring the point here, but it's it's it truly is. I, if we always talk about often missed opportunities or what's the thing? Um, lost potential. potential. Or- yeah, it's yeah, it's the it has potential. I think that's where you and I get get frustrated the most at things is when something has great potential, and then it just doesn't fulfill that. It has the the opportunity to be really good, and I, I know I'm saying that people are like, are you kidding? Chinatown's one of the most classic things, and mm. I'm sure <laughs> yes, okay, you can yell at me for that, but for me, this show's about me just talking about what I want. Is uh, that that had a lot of potential to be a really fun, amazing thing uh, with a unique story classic i would call it noir that i would recommend that i that I actually here's the big thing here now that we're out of spoilers i would recommend this to a lot of people um had it not had the ending and then mm-hmm. now because of that last five minutes and how much they switched everything around for that last five minutes and then left you with the, the dumb phrase you know it's chinatown <laughs> makes me I, I there's not a single person i know of that i would recommend it to mm. uh i i can't i can't except except if you like Jack Nicholson and haven't seen him young, <laughs> that's the only reason because he was cool. <laughs> like I always wonder right. like why people thought Jack Nicholson was so cool. Granted, I get some things he's done, but he was pretty awesome in this. Yeah. Um, he, as he got older and he's not super young, he's relatively young in this, but yeah. um, as he got older and he did the shining and, and more movies like that, he kind of got typecast into, the, although he did some other stuff like uh, I'm thinking of, what is it? As good as it gets with Keanu Reeves and, uh, uh I don't know. Um, uh, oh, I'm completely blanking. Sharon, not Sharon Stone. Whatever. It might even be Sharon Stone. I don't know. Um, where he's playing kind of a romantic lead, but by then he's old, so he's the old Oh, no, you're talking with... And, um, no, it's the girl from Mad About You and uh, um, Helen Hunt. Helen Hunt. Hunt. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, and he's he plays um, uh, the guy that has uh, OCD. And, and the other guy in it is that what we're talking about here? Yeah. No, I think I'm thinking of a different movie. But oh, okay, sorry. Maybe there's one. Um, it's with Keanu Reeves, and yeah, I was gonna he, say wasn't Keanu Reeves was that what I'm thinking of? 
Jack Nicholson is an old man who dates younger women, and the younger women are like 30. Um, okay, yeah, and this is not the one I'm thinking about. And then the two of them are both romantically interested in an older woman who is close to Jack Nicholson's age. Um, and so Keanu Reeves is the young man who dates older women. Um, anyway, that all I, I just use it as an example of an outlier in Jack Nicholson's right. catalog. Um, he's not that, that movie that is called Something's Gotta here. Give. Something's Gotta Give is the and, one. And, and the other one was called um, As Good it, as, good as, as it, it Gets. gets. Yeah. Um, so you were there. You were all in that whole circle. You were circling <laughs> that whole area. I, I saw that movie in the theater when I was in college. Uh, yeah. Both of them are good. And both of them, Jack Nicholson, are great. At free movie night. But this is a different uh, kind of Jack Nicholson character. And I think for me, um, I would only recommend this to somebody particularly interested in old movies and old filmmaking and, again, dialogue and scripts like that. I think you can still learn a lot about how to craft, um, you know, excellent dialogue and, and character and face acting apart from the finished product of this movie with its ending, because I also felt dissatisfied by the end. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, th- th- thumbs down for me, but uh, you know, I, I don't want to bash on everything else, but that, you know, sure. just, just, it's kind of like you got an apple and it's got one rotten spot, but the other part is delicious. <laughs> just carve out that one little spot. And it's one a fantastic little apple. Um, so next week, it's Got your pick. Uh, I'm going to pick one that's actually... So we often will... Our kind of thing we've done is picking out shows we haven't seen. One of At least one of us haven't. Or um, we haven't seen in a long time that we liked. And kind of going back and seeing things that are, you know, does it hold up? How do we feel about it now? Mm-hmm. Um, I, I particularly enjoy watching a show that I love and then having you watch it and I watch it again from a different lens. So that we can discuss that it's a thing, but this time I'm going to pick one that's not even out yet. Um, okay. Sounds crazy, uh, but uh, just because I'm a, I'm gonna I hate even saying these words. I'm a little excited for it, not because I'm excited. <laughs> it's just I saw the trailer. It's called Catherine Called Birdie, and it's out um, this in four days. What is today's? We're recording on the third, so mm-hmm. something like Friday or something like that. Um, uh, and it's with the act the the young actress that played Lady Mormont on Game of Thrones. Uh, she's right. maybe not so young now, maybe late uh, teens or twenty or something like that. Early twenties, right? Um, but it's I, I just happened to saw the trailer came across my way and it looked really good. And she's a great actress, like one of those like she was great in Game of Thrones. I obviously thought she was the surprise uh, coming out of nowhere. And this one seems great. It's got uh, I think Army Hammer's in it. I think that's who it is or or something, but it's, yeah, it's, it looks fun. It it looks fun. That's the thing. It's on Amazon this next week. uh, So we're going to watch that one and we have nothing to go on this one. We have no history or film or anything. Just, just our own opinions, Uh, (laughs) which is great because I, besides that trailer, I've intentionally not read anything about it, saw anything about it. I just said, I want to watch this show for me, Um, you know, and now I watch it with Dennis, which is great. Nice. So, a Catherine called Birdie. I, it is. I do know that it is based on a novel, um, and it's set in like a medieval times, but not okay. like hard Game of Thrones type stuff. It's more lighthearted. Um, speaking of novels, and I don't know, maybe this is a October Halloween thing. Um, I drove, as we talked about last week, I drove up to Michigan and mm-hmm. back this weekend. 
Um, and I was going through my stuff on my phone. When I'm driving, I have uh, 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 Overcast. Yeah, with yeah, podcast. That's what I, I use as well. And then I have Audible, right? And so sometimes I listen to podcasts. Sometimes I go through a couple episodes, and I'm like, I want to listen to something else. I'm going to go back to books. And so I have some books on my Audible. The weird thing Audible works is I'll hear something, and I'm like, oh, that's a good idea. You know, I'm interested in that, and I'll add it to my library or I'll download it, and then sometimes forget. I'm like, oh, I have uh, Middlemarch. Um, I'm not going to remember the author, but it's a faint, you know one of the great American novels. Okay. That is the audiobook is like 30 hours long. Oh uh, goodness, okay, uh, yeah. James Joyce, maybe I don't know. Anyway, um, so I had that, and I was like, ah, I don't know. That's a lot to get into, and mm-hmm, sometimes if sure. a story is very complicated, the audiobook is difficult to listen to because you can't pause and like flip a few pages back and go, who is this guy again? <laughs> sure. Yeah. Um, all right. Um, it's a trade off because of course they're reading it for you so you can do it while you, while you drive. Um, but they also, you know, a narrator reads slow. Like I can read faster than I can talk. Oh yeah, um, of course. Yes. But, uh, the book I listened to is by Agatha Christie and mm, it's there's called, a name. There's a name. yeah, famous uh mystery novelist of i think mostly like 30s and 40s um okay yeah era uh this book is called and then there were none oh i've heard that yeah i i was describing it to some of my family and my brother-in-law had heard of it i guess it has been um like changed and some parts of it rewritten over the years as some of the some of the labels and terminology uh, became problematic. Okay. Um, but uh, the version that I heard um, used a rhyme, a nursery rhyme, which I took to be real but might be a complete fabrication of the author, um, called Ten Little Soldier Boys. Okay. Right? So if you're familiar, you know, we used to have like Ten Little Indians. Uh, oh, yeah, sure. And, and stuff like that. Um, it's a nursery rhyme about ten little soldier boys who, um, one by one, drop off from the story. It's like the the ten monkeys jumping on the bed song. Yeah. Um, except it's it's all in rhyme, and each one um, drops off for a different reason. Okay. Um, and then the story itself it reminded me a lot of the thing, or oh, us. okay. The video game. Got the, um, the hidden secret trader in it. Yeah. So these 10 people who all get introduced in the first chapter. And I'm like, okay, how am I going to remember these guys? Is this guy, <laughs> this guy, and this guy. And then as the story went on, I knew them all, right? Because they have distinct voices, distinct, like, I mean, uh, the audiobook was narrated by Dan Stevens, who um, was in Downton Abbey and also the lead character in... Um, Legion. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, David Hollery played. Yep. Um, he, and of course, uh, uh, he does all the characters with different voices. Um, oh, know, cool. Doing voices. Like most, most audiobook fiction, fiction audiobooks that I listen to are done that way. Yeah. Um, anyway, these 10 characters get invitations. Well, except for two who are um, servants. Um, eight guests 
get invitations as if from different people, right? They get letters from people that they maybe sort of half remember from some time in the past who invite them out to this island. And the island has uh, um, complicated notoriety, like who owns it at what time, and they built this house, and maybe it belonged to this Hollywood uh, uh, starlet or something like that. And they get on this island, and they start dying. Okay. But nobody knows, like, the island is small enough and the house is new enough that they can do a thorough search and determine that there's nobody on the island but them. And so then they have, like, so who is the killer? Well, it must be one of us. We're the only ones here. Oh, yeah, okay, cool. I right? talk about it. Here's and, the secret part, yeah, okay. Right. And so it goes through all of that, and it gets to the end, and I'm like, huh, that's interesting. And then it has a whole epilogue with the cops talking about what happened, because the, the main story itself doesn't give you the answer. And then okay. after that, after it's over, the first epilogue is these cops talking, and they're trying to theorize, they're trying to put the pieces together, um, but they don't have enough evidence right it's like the 30s so there are cars and guns and electricity but there's no like there is fingerprinting but they don't have computers searches or or anything like that um and then there's a second epilogue um with a killer epilogue okay (laughs) sort of or a second part of the main epilogue um with the killer explaining everything and i don't know i've never (laughs) i've never read agatha christie before like maybe this is a thing where like here's the story and if you want to be done here you can be done and that's cool though ponder the mystery like still try to figure it out because um it's the same similar thought that i had watching chinatown where i said there are clues here where i could get it like i got to a certain point in the story and i was messaging uh, our buddy Fox, even though I was driving, I was using the Siri text thing. Mm, and yeah. I was like, I think the butler did it. It makes <laughs> the most sense, right? And aside from it being a cliche. And then, like, in the next chapter, the butler gets killed. And I'm like, <laughs> okay, well, it's obviously not the butler, because there are six of them left, and the butler's dead now. Um, but, uh, yeah, it was pretty good. And the, the audiobook was, like, six hours long, so I was able to listen to it all almost all on the drive up and then when i had to run an errand i finished it up but uh it was pretty good that's excellent i'm i'm uh i'm still reading through uh that um dragonlance book that i had mentioned before Can't think of that oh yeah yeah that thing and and i re- i'm a slow reader i, I love that that your your drive you got to, to listen to a whole book in a time that i still haven't read my whole thing um but it's uh i just reporting that i it's 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 still very enjoyable, and I'm, I'm every time I pick it up, it's one of those um, happy to be home type books. Not not because it's mm. dragon, it's because like uh, just a nice easy read with good fantasy stuff. And like one chapter, this the main character is talking to a dragon who happens to also just after that become a main character in the story. Like one of the party members, I'm like, cool man, we got like a dragon we're hanging out with now. Um, nice. Which you know, it's just it's just kind of very laid back and cool. I would call it like high school or college reading, you know, type maybe sure. high school, uh, young adult for sure. Um, which, mm-hmm. which is, which is very fun. All right. So yeah. Young, why, why, I guess. 
So, but uh, yours definitely sounds sounds much more more interesting, more fun. So, I, I should I should I have not read any Agatha Christie, but I've uh, heard that name and, and said right, oh, yeah, it po- com- positive she comes up it, so. as you know a, one of the twentieth century's you know great great authors, and yeah, so in I, terms I should of read, I should read that. You're right. In terms of that. reading and time, uh, I I also can read fast relative like you know i I know i've known people who can read faster than i can i read relatively fast not super fast um but my problem with reading is i get distracted i get restless when i'm trying to i don't think i don't think i have like undiagnosed adhd or anything like that but when i'm driving sometimes this isn't always the case i just you know said at the beginning of that story that sometimes i'll switch back and forth between books and and podcasts because I can be driving and listen to an audiobook and my mind starts to wander and then I'm like, okay, I've missed everything. That can also <laughs> happen to me while I'm physically reading, which is even more <laughs> impressive. I'm like, my eyes and and some part of my brain are following these words, but my whatever short-term memory is not absorbing them because I'm thinking about something else. Like, oh. That that's one of the reasons I always had problems, you know, reading. Why I say I'm a slow reader is because I do get distracted and I, and I know there's all sorts of studies on that very topic. Uh, sure. People that do that, like you and I, obviously. Um, I have, as I've gotten older, for me, um, discovered that um, a lot of it is, well, one, rest. Like getting enough rest and then being able sure, to in that of state course. of mind. And being in a spot where I can be comfortable. I think that's the only way. When I started reading mm. again, which I like, is is being, and I always do it like at a coffee shop where I've got low stress like the whole environment is meant to be de-stressing sure. right and, and and because of that i think when i'm when i'm reading a book my mind will sh- shift to other things because you know i, I just have those things on my mind it's just the mind mm-hmm. is going and, and is racing and wanting to go from one or the other so I'll, even while reading i'll do like you said and, and flip over uh but i've gotten better at that by just intent being intentional about my location and again that's that works for me um i don't know that is if it's a normal thing uh and and i'm right. i've been really happy i've been really happy that i discovered that about myself you know a way mm-hmm. to be able to read because i thought that i wasn't able to really read much anymore but you know for some people that could be make sure you're in the study or a study feels like an an old rich person but like you're in uh, the basement or somewhere where you're quiet and it's alone and in the billiard room with the candlestick. Exactly. That kind of stuff. But yeah, reading can, is, is hard. I, I even think as you get older, it's a little bit harder to, to read unless your mind's kind of trained on it. Um, but, and, and finding the right book, obviously too. I, I, I know sure. when I was reading Ahsoka, I was struggling with, with it cause the book itself wasn't very interesting. Mm. Um, which is sad to, to say, but okay. So anyway, books, yay, thumbs up. <laughs> um, that sounds terrible. I thing I actually do mean that. I, I love reading great books, and that's why I mean Agatha, Agatha Christie. That just feels like I should. That's something I should make my not make my like like set forth in my mind to experience that thing before I forget. Sure. Uh, going off into another way, we've only got a little bit of time left here. Uh, well, I was going to talk about Andor because I think you watched that first episode, but maybe we can save that for later. Um. Mm. See, Overwatch 2 launches tomorrow. I know you're not a big Overwatch fan, but uh, um, it's a big first-person shooter team game. Right. And I think what's interesting, worth noteworthy of discussing is just the whole process of it. Like, it's not, it's not actually Overwatch 2. 
it's Overwatch evolved, I guess. Like, there, okay. if, okay, so let me kind of explain it. Overwatch 1 is no more. Like, as of yesterday, there is no more Overwatch 1. Right. And okay. and if you owned Overwatch 1, you have Overwatch 2. And if you don't own Overwatch 1, you also have Overwatch 2 because it's free. Okay. Uh, it, it's free to play. Um, I'm not. Tar- I'm not entirely certain if it's uh, every character is free, but I think every character is free to play. Uh, that's at launch, um, with maybe one or two of the new people. But it's all of the same game that you had before, with all of the player versus player maps and everything. But now it's just kind of like I would say it's like when a game goes free to play, except they've made big changes to the game. Like characters have been completely reworked, uh, all new skins and such um and i mean and some of the old skins and stuff so you can try all of your your levels exp your character stuff that you've unlocked is all carried over continues on it's just like the game gets a complete face face work uh lift oh i know think of it as like an expansion pack and wow that's what i was gonna say like maybe an expansion like you could with wow you maybe could stay with an old with an old version, you could do that for a while because they charged for the expansions. But mm-hmm. like when, yeah, know, right, yeah, sure. When when Heroes of the Storm transitioned from beta into, um, you know, version one or whatever, like it was still the it was that was the whole game. Like you couldn't stay in the beta once they, yeah, uh, uh, you know, switched to version one. And, and you know how in WoW when you or any MMO when you do. At least WoW used to be really big at this. When they would do an expansion, like complete games got overhauled. It wasn't. Right. I I know, for example, between, um, let's say, uh, the Black Temple one, um, the second one, they're, Burning they're, Crusade, they're, Burning the Crusade, first the first one. expansion, uh, and then Lich King, like complete, like my character's talents got completely reworked. Everything got cut. It's just playing a whole different character. Yeah. Every everything because they reworked combat and everything. Um, and that's that's what they're kind of doing with Overwatch. I wouldn't say as drastic as that because some characters are relatively the same. Um, but th- but they've they've redone that, and then you know they've gone to a free to play model. Their monetization doing through like battle pass stuff, so you can play the game fully for free. Uh, but if you want to unlock cosmetics and such, you can go through the battle pass type system. Um, I think they might be doing away with their their blind boxes that they overwatch had before okay you, know, you loot, loot boxes sure loot boxes you know and that's how you get cosmetics i think it's all now done through battle pass stuff uh, i could be wrong about that but we'll see um another big thing about overwatch 2 is that they're doing is it's not launching tomorrow with this but i think in the spring they're launching the the co-op part of it so there will be maps and that you play that are co-op instead of pvp okay. and you can your characters can actually have levels and skills and traits and that you can spec and things like that as they level up. Now that's only for P- PVE. So if you're playing co-op, those characters and those abilities couldn't be used in PVP. PVP, sure. Uh, but and that's not launching yet. And I think that will be like a paid expansion to it. Sure, kind of how they do in or did in um, StarCraft Two. Yes, right. So, so th- this, this, it's, it's, or it's a whole different kind of way of thinking of this stuff, especially for shooters. You know, you, right. you don't see this yeah, kind yeah, of stuff. Yeah. Um, but it's, you know, it's taking, it's company taking their experience as a company 
uh, and applying it to their games. You know, it, it's a weird thing that it feels very synergetic between a business decision and gameplay decision. And mm-hmm. it feels like that was all made in the same kind of spirit of not sure. like, let's just gouge the players anyway. Um, <laughs> but, but which is usually like that you can tell, right? That's the EA does is famous for a lot of that stuff, you know, yeah, yeah. Uh, with uh, Battlefront 2 is a perfect example. You know, you've got a, a great game and then you've got the business part of their game and then wedging their stuff in. Uh, this feels pretty great. You know, uh, Overwatch was always just a pay one flat price, never charge for anything ever, and you get everything forever. Um, except with, they made a lot of money boxes. on their, their loot boxes. Yeah. Um, so now they're doing the same kind of thing, just in a different way. I, I, I'm excited about it. Uh, another big thing they're changing from 6v6 for, is to 5v5. It's a team-based game, so that's a big change, considering it was always two tanks, two healers, two DPS. Mm. Um, now they're just doing... You're doing back away to, with one back of the to tanks. five, which is how WoW works. It's how Heroes right. and, and League of Legends yeah. works. Like I think is that the normal called, like and, five. You think, and that goes back to original Defense of the Ancients in in Warcraft three. But your basic five versus five. You have one tank, one healer, three DPS. Um, yeah, maybe in this you have you know it gets a little more in PvP. It gets a little more loose, like. Here's of the Storm had that trinity, but really there were at least six because there are two different kinds of of um, tank, two different kinds of healer, and and at least two different kinds of DPS, um, which is true. Like Warcraft has different types of DPS, but uh, in Heroes, I think it's something like tank, bruiser, uh support heals and maybe a different kind of support and then ranged and melee uh um dps right because you have characters like i don't know um karazim the diablo monk or abathur the zerg uh uh overmind thing overmind's the wrong word but you know what i mean yeah yeah Um, sure that are those are supports, but they're not healers. I think it was just healer and support, right? So you have a character that really can only do well, like, assisting the team, but they're not a healer. They're not going to keep you alive, per se. They might help you. They might heal you a little bit, but not the same way that, like, the StarCraft medic character whose name I'm spacing on. Um, and the the tank classes are the same way. There are tanks that are just, you know, big, beefy, standard uh, Trinity kind of kind of tanks that just soak up damage. And then there are um, characters that can do a little bit of that, but are really more about peeling, like more about getting in and engaging, uh, mm. like, um, like Sonya, the, the Diablo Barbarian character. Um, and so it's not... It's it's already, even with five, more complicated than that. Like, you can do a team in any composition. It doesn't have to be the World of Warcraft model of tank heals, three DPS. Um, yeah. And, and, and I think yeah, in this one, they're, they're doing... They're just taking the tank out, so they're still doing two support, two DPS, and one tank. Okay. Um, but but they're gearing things differently in that, like, every everybody has been tweaked 
Um, in mm. the fact that they're more every everyone's DPS heavy now. Um, sure. I mean, I mean, it, being a, a, a team based shooter class based type thing with roles, it causes some issues. Like everyone wants to play DPS. It's just the way it is. Everyone mm. wants to play DPS. Yeah. Um, and so it's hard to get people to play tanks and support. And there've been all sorts of in every game tries their own different ways to encourage people to do it. Um, it looks like Overwatch Two is just taking the approach of like, well. If you can't beat him, join him, make it all kind of DPS, but not really. Um, right. They have passives now, which is like if you're a class, let's say I pick uh, a tank. All tanks have uh, get knocked back less than everybody okay. else. Support sure. characters have passive healing for themselves. So they're walking around and they start healing themselves. That reminds me of, of stuff they did in, in Warcraft, uh, yeah. World of Warcraft over the Very course similar. of expansions. They're like, okay, everybody in this role... It's this Heroes of the Storm did it too, I think. There are some yeah. talents, like character-specific talents, but there were also role-specific talents where you're like, all exactly. of the the range DPS have this ability. Otherwise, you know, you know, every healer has a um has a cleanse, right? Has an ability that will remove all debuffs from an ally. And it has yeah. a long cooldown, but it's so powerful against certain uh ultimates. Heroic abilities. Um, Ultimates is the League of Legends term. Um, (laughs) That that you're like, everybody in competitive play is picking Brightwing because she's the only hero that has this this cleanse ability. So we need to make sure that all of the healers have it so that the other healers get more. Yes. Are more more viable in competitive. Right. Yeah, and, and the, here's the thing about like this kind of stuff with with the company that that is built to work together is that um, I mean recent allegation type issues yeah, lawsuits yeah, in the past way. But beside the point, the the this is a a company that has multiple brands and multiple teams that aren't don't work in silos. Like mm-hmm. you know, sure. from game to game, team members switch back and mm-hmm. forth. Yeah. So you'll have people who've worked on World of Warcraft for through two expansions and they'll come over on the StarCraft team or they'll come over on Diablo 4 or Overwatch 2 and and from developers to designers to everything and that shared knowledge you can tell. Yeah, I mean, you're right now just been telling me two or three things on different games on how they play. They've taken those ideas, found out what's worked with them and mm-hmm. and Blizzard supports their games for a very long time. Like Overwatch right. has been going on for many years. Yeah. yeah. And you know, uh, StarCraft is still going. And so they have long, long experience. What's it called? Uh, tales. Long tales. Yeah. Right. Where it's not just like, hey, we launched, we learned this thing, go into the next game and try to try to do it different here. It's like, okay, they iterate and learn and then change and iterate and learn and change with the same kind of game until they come to either they get it right or close or um, or they try something totally new. You know, and I think yeah. WoW was one of the one of the first ones they really started doing that with, um, and then and now they're able to bring that into their other games, which is pretty great. So you can see that, and the next games that come out have those already have those new things baked in. Now the problem with that is that a Blizzard game has a you know what a Blizzard game is, True. you know, you 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 get that kind of oh this is like you said oh this is like healing in in Hots or it's like. DPSing in this person in this game, sure, sure. So and it's the same thing. But anyway, I'm looking forward to it. We've got several friends that are going to play it again. Our buddy Fox is hopping into it. Um, 
Overwatch has been a pretty accessible game, I think, for shooters. I'm not sure. always the best Twitch shooter. Right. Um, and I can pick up like a, at least several of the 25 million characters that <laughs> that you can almost stand there and help and be helpful. Yeah. Um so I, and I played the first I game I first I played the first game a couple times and I had a little bit of um you know, I I play almost no shooters, but mm-hmm. um I tried it a couple times. I think they had a weekend going or or something like that. And because a lot of those characters are in Heroes of the Storm, I already knew how their kit works because oh, yeah. Overwatch heroes in Heroes of the Storm are almost one to one. Yeah, right? the the kit is already designed for a deathmatch PvP kind of thing with a mm-hmm. you know a handful of abilities, um, and so it's not as much of a change as from Diablo or Starcraft. Yeah, or, for or sure. World of Warcraft. Bet, yeah. Um, what was frustrating for me was that I was used to looking at the characters from top down. (laughs) If I'm playing Junkrat in Heroes, I can throw a mine down and jump over it and explode it, and it'll launch me forward in a big arc. You can do the same thing in Overwatch. It's just harder. (laughs) It's Uh, just harder. Yeah. Like, all of my muscle memory for it was wrong because I was in first person. I was like, how do I zoom out? How do I zoom out so I can see my character in third person? Can I? Oh, I bet that would be. Yeah, that'd be a little. That would be really frustrating. Yeah. Uh, well, uh, moving forward with this, uh, the cool thing, I think probably the coolest thing of all this is that, well, there's two parts. One is that it's uh, free to play. So mm-hmm. you're getting the full Overwatch 1 minimum Overwatch 1 experience with all the new Overwatch 2 stuff, maps, characters, etc., etc., sure. extras, free, just out of the box. Anyone can just play. And then two, it's cross everything now. So right. I, I, a PC can play with um, uh, Xbox or PlayStation can all play together. And new to this version is cross account. So it's all to your Blizzard account. So I had a problem with that is that several fr- of our friends would want to play on PC, but mm-hmm. I didn't want to have to start all over with all my levels and all the things and then skins and stuff. And I'd be playing the right. basic game. Yeah. So it's kind of like, eh. but now I can play with buddies who are playing on the PC and I can play with the PlayStation, and we can play with someone on the Xbox, and have all of our stuff retained. And I could even go upstairs and play on the PC, and 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 launch it, or even on my on my phone, you know, with with stuff. Right. Uh, so that's that's cool. Free and everybody. So I guess what I'm trying to say is it's it's more accessible than it ever has been. Um, I mean, I guess you could say that with Diablo Immortal too, except that's only. Well, I guess it was PC kind of, but. Um, on PC. But yeah, it, more advanced than that one. So anyway, that's mm-hmm. tomorrow. Um, looking forward to that. That should be pretty fun. And Overwatch is one of those things I don't have to think a lot about, I don't feel. Mm. It just, it just kind of like you just play it and lose and lose and win and then lose <laughs> and lose and win and win. And yeah, if you're, not, if you're not playing a lot, I mean, that's the, that's the appeal of those. I know it's not a MOBA, but a similar kind of like deathmatch um, game is that... Uh, that framework, if you will. Yeah, and you, you you don't have, you don't lose EXP or anything. You still get stuff no matter what. Like, you still go right. forward and, you know, get something. You're still go, moving onward, even if you lose. You um, go forward, you move ahead. Always right. moving ahead. Always moving ahead. So Try to detect it. <laughs> right. Uh, okay, that's it. I think we did good this week. Got, got more. We'll, we'll talk about some stuff next week, but I, I think we'll just move that along. All right. Well, you've been listening to The Front Porch. This is episode 265. 
Thanks as always to our friends at LRM Online. You can check them out. They have reviews on things that you can read. Uh, if you want to reach <laughs> out to us and tell us all of your favorite Overwatch heroes and their and their uh, their catchphrases, nerf this. You can do that via email. Our address is frontporchpod at gmail.com. If you go to our website, frontporchpodcast.com, you'll find contact forms and show notes when relevant. Uh, so you can reach out to us that way if you don't want to use email like an old. <laughs> uh, if you enjoy the front porch, please consider subscribing on the podcatcher of your choice. And while you're there, if you leave us a review, we always appreciate that. It helps us out a lot. Uh, I said all the things. As always, thanks so much for joining us. Until next time, I'm Dennis. And I'm Michael. For the front porch. Night, everybody. See you next time. Bye.